In this episode of Love Your City, I sit down with Rachel Carter. Rachel's a born and bred local from my hometown, Toowoomba, Queensland, Australia. I wanted to share Rachel's story because she has an amazing heart for refugees, and many thousands have come to our city over the last 10 years or so. Rachel shares both the joys and the challenges of welcoming people into a community that is vastly different from the one they've come from. Oh, I was born in Toowoomba, born and bred, and I'm keep saying I'm oh, pretty sure I'll die here as well. Yeah, we have family here. Um, my husband has family here, and yeah, we we do sort of love it. Mm. What What do you love about Toowoomba? Uh, I love the that it's not too busy, like in the city. And I love that you can walk in the city and not be have the shadows of the buildings over you. Um, I do like the schools that are available for the children. That's been really great. And I think it's just been a really great place to bring up the children. Um, and the community I love too. I guess I like, I like, I like that we're small, but big enough to, to sort of, um, hide a little bit, not hide, but you know, you don't have to be out there, but you can and know people and that sort of thing as well. So yeah, I like the size, I think. Yeah. It's small mm. enough to feel like a community, but also big enough that you're not in everybody's pockets. All That's the time. Yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah cool. that, I like that. Now you, is it true you studied nursing and practiced as a nurse? Yeah. Um, I studied um, diversional therapy straight out of school because my marks weren't actually good enough to get into nursing. I was a bit hopeless in school. Um, but then I did my nursing and I've worked as a nurse for about 20 years now and I still do the occasional shift so that I keep my registration. It's something I can't quite let go of, but I do still really enjoy going back to the hospital I work at, the base hospital at the moment, um, and utilising those skills and, and also working with those patients as well. So, yeah, I still do the odd shift here and there. Yeah, what attracted you to nursing? Um, the, the caring for people. I, it was just always in me. I think from as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a nurse. Uh, I think um, when I was a child, that was probably like the only thing I knew that I could do with my personality or my desires as such. I didn't know about a whole world of um, community work or humanitarian work and stuff like that. So that was sort of introduced to me a little later in life. And yeah, so I think well, it was just natural for me to be a nurse. My mum uh, studied as a nurse. My grandma was a nurse. So we sort of have that... Yeah. yeah, yeah, we sure do. My aunt, auntie's a nurse, and wow. yeah, 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 that's right. I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Did you have, um, you know, a faith growing up as well, or how did you get into Christianity and into 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 faith? Yep. Uh, yeah. So my parents were Christians, and grandparents were Christians, and whatnot. So there's definitely a lineage there as well. Mm. Um, so I grew up going to church. Uh, when did I start? owning my faith, I think it was definitely sort of a journey over um, a lot of years, really. I mean, I, I got baptised when I was in year 11, and uh, but I'd made a, 
made a decision a lot earlier than that, but I think that was out of a fear of a war in Syria coming to Australia. Um, so, yeah, I made various sort of decisions a- across the span of my life. I think the most significant thing for me was having children and then, you know, all of a sudden you're responsible for teaching your children the your faith and... Um, so that was quite significant for me, and I think that's when my relationship actually deepened um, because cause I, I needed to teach it to my children. I wanted to make sure they knew the Lord as well. So, yeah. That's cool. Mm. So you, you started practising nursing, um, but it wasn't all that... Well, how long was it before you started feeling drawn to more social and community work? Yeah, uh, I think when... I did nursing for quite a long time, went through different wards and different specialties um, and I was in then emergency, which I spent quite a bit of time in. Um, I think that opened my eyes a little bit more to needs within the community uh, and then I, I actually wanted a nursing job that f- fitted better with Um, the children and maybe not so much night shift and that sort of thing. So I went into general practice and, yeah, again, exposed me to a a whole different range of people in our city Um, because I worked at a private hospital before then so that you you definitely get a a certain type of person there. Um, Yeah, so uh, after that then, yeah, that opened my eyes a bit but then um, I needed a bit of a change from general practice nursing. It was, probably wasn't the thing that was going to fuel my passion for the rest of my life. So I was looking around and I just, I just saw a job that was advertised with Multicultural Australia as a refugee health nurse. And I, I actually just went for it. Um, and then that's yeah where my eyes were really open to some of the deeper and more significant needs within the community. So that was, yeah, uh, maybe six or seven years ago. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so let's unpack that for a mm. minute. When you started as a general practice nurse and you said your eyes started to be open to um, different sides of the community from yeah. the private hospital, yep. um, what what did you see? What was what, what were your eyes open to? Yeah, I guess um, I saw more diversity in the community, like cultural diversity. Um, And, yeah, there's definitely, you know, you don't see that in a private hospital quite so much. Uh, And and also um, just people's, you know, the the socioeconomic disadvantages in in the city and, um, you know, just being exposed to homelessness and that sort of thing a little bit more and, yeah, just some of the everyday sort of struggles that you don't necessarily see in a hospital situation. Um, yeah, so definitely exposed me to different sorts of people. Mm. And then when you worked um, for as a what was it for multicultural Australia? Yeah, that's right. Refugee yeah, refugee health nurse. Refugee yep. Health yep. Nurse. Yeah. What kind of things were you exposed to, or people were you exposed to there? I mean, obviously the title. Gives it away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, it does give it away to some extent, but Multicultural Australia here in Toowoomba, we were mostly working with humanitarian visa holders um, as opposed to asylum seekers. 
And so even that's a whole, you know, you've got two very distinct differences there and, and how they are able to integrate into the community um, and what supports they get from the government and that sort of thing. So, yes, I was mostly working with humanitarian visa holders and we Multicultural Australia was responsible for basically collecting them from the airport, getting them into housing, schooling, um, TAFE, whatever it was that they need, their banking, their Centrelink, basically just setting them up for life here in Australia. Uh, and then my responsibility within that was to connect them into health services and, um, yeah, just they they would have some quite uh, um, complex health issues as refugees, a lot of them, and then you'd get some with disability and that sort of thing. So there's another layer of complexity as well. Um, so I would just help navigate and advocate for them within the health service system. Um, it was a bit of a shock to Toowoomba to when I started, we had had humanitarian visa holders for quite some time, but uh, back when I started, we got like 3,000 of, of Yazidi refugees mostly, but some Syrian as well. Um, in a very short amount of time due to a crisis that had happened back in Iraq. So, yeah, it was it was a bit of a shock to Toowoomba and um, there was a lot, lot of work to do in that initial time. I think we've been able to catch up a little bit now. Hmm. As you're doing this job, is this... Um, you talked about general practice nursing not quite being your passion or something that you felt like you could pursue for a long period of time. Mm, mm. Is, was this role working with uh, refugee healthcare, was was this starting to stoke the fires for you in terms of um, passion? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it diversified my skills and diversified, diversified my ability to be sort of out and about in the community a bit more, which was, which I really enjoyed as opposed to just being in a general practice mostly. Um, so yeah, I, I did discover that I, I like to be out and about for sure um, and meeting different people and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, so it definitely fueled that mm. for sure. Mm. And I imagine coming as a, um, a refugee from a, obviously a foreign country um, where the culture is so, so different mm. and then turning up in a semi-rural town like Toowoomba, yep. um, that's going to come with some major challenges. Yep. What did you observe as you watch people try to integrate into, um, you know, um, into Toowoomba here in Australia? Mm. Yeah, what did you see? Yeah, uh... It was very hard for the refugees themselves. They had so many barriers, obviously. They had cultural barriers, they had language barriers, they had health barriers. Um, so it was, it was very difficult to, for them to, you know, find their place and find their way. Um, but I also observed very quickly that uh, Toowoomba as a city w was not necessarily... Um, aware of their plight or, um, you know, that they weren't quite sure how to deal with particular situations. Um, there was racism. There was, yeah, just we can't help you because we 
basically don't know how to help you or we can't speak that language. Um, so, yeah, there was... And, and apart from that, like, that, that was all sort of negative, but people didn't actually know how to help. Uh, and that's... I, I think that's what fueled me a lot, was they didn't... There was no opportunity to help or get to know someone from a refugee background with the support that is needed to actually get to know someone from a different cultural background. And that's not only language, although that's a huge factor, of course, but but also just understanding cultural differences and why why someone from Iraq thinks the way they do um, and why someone from Australia thinks the way they do. And I think even as Australians, we haven't explored that maybe as individuals, Australian individuals ourselves and don't maybe understand um, culture as much as we could. Uh, yeah, so I was really intrigued by that and, and being able to then, you know, make a way for uh, the, the well-established Australian to get to know their new neighbour, their um, refugee neighbour. And, and be able to have some sort of, you know, relationship with them and help them feel like they belonged and that sort of thing. Do you, mm. feel, like, do you feel like Toowoomba's gotten better at that in the last five or six years or is there still a way to go? Oh, I think we've come a long way, absolutely. Um, and I think there's a long way to go. We're still quite a conservative city. Um, there's still many people in the city who don't even know about the 5,000 Yazidi refugees that we have here and their, you know, their barriers to belonging here in Australia. So, yeah, I think we've got a long way to go. Um, there's definitely prejudice uh, against refugees still in Toowoomba and, um, and still a lot to learn about how we can help them to integrate more. You, know, you take businesses, for example, and, you know, they might have a heart to employ someone in a, a friend of mine was telling me a story about how he wanted he wanted to help a refugee guy out and he did he employed him for a bit but then the the language and the cultural differences and and what the refugee understood culturally about work and what the Australian um expected from them and their expectations from work were vastly different and they just couldn't quite come to you know, the, that meeting point where it was going to work for both of them. And unfortunately, that didn't quite work out. But I feel that with with the right sort of support, that could have been something that could have worked. Um, yeah, so I think we've definitely got a long way to go, got a bit of learning to do. Mm. How would you describe the church's response to, you know, all these, you know, talking about 5,000 Yazidis and Syrians that have come mm. to city just in the last few years. Um, yeah, what did you observe from Christians? Yeah, that's been interesting as well. Um, lots of positive things, but also lots of sort of negative things. Um, some of the most uh, prejudiced comments that I've heard have actually come from Christians, but I, I, I don't believe that that came from, you know, a, pl a place of maliciousness. I, I think it probably just comes from a place of not understanding. Um, yeah, so some churches have been 
really great and we have some great examples of churches here in Toowoomba that really embrace multiculturalism um, but then some some really great examples of churches that also might not have any idea about um, those particular needs in the community or how to how to engage with refugees or or even other people who are disadvantaged um, yeah, so a lot of generosity, but also a lot of, uh, yeah, hesitancy, I guess, and and a little bit of, again, a knowledge deficit of, of how to or or um, or even, you know, they're not actually here to take over the country or, or whatever, um, and that possibly it, it's okay that we embrace them if you actually knew their story and, and knew what they'd been through to be here. Um, yeah, so it's it's there's definitely two sides of the coin. Um, yeah, to be fair. How do when churches do engage and seek to reach out and you know um, help to integrate uh, refugees into our city? How do the refugees respond to meeting Christians and engaging with Christians in the church? What mm. do you observe there? <clears throat> yeah, uh, if it's if it's something quite practical, like, for example, English lessons that are held in a church, uh, the refugees are very keen to jump on board. Um, but if it's to come to a church service uh, and or participate in anything that, you know, more traditionally church, um, then th- they're not that keen, really. Um and they, they really, I mean, for a start, they wouldn't understand what's going on mostly. Anyway, and even for someone who speaks a bit of English, it's still going to be hard to listen to a, to a service and really quite understand that. Um, so I think the church is correct in providing other ways to be practical um, in their support. Uh, Oh, I've sort of forgotten what the question was now and yeah, lost yeah. track there. How do the refugees perceive Oh, that's right. Church? Yeah, yeah. Uh, their perception definitely is... Uh, I talk about the Yazidis a lot because they're the forefront of, of who we're working with in Toowoomba at the moment. Um, you know, we've got Syrian Christians and Congolese people who actually came from a Christian background and that's the reason they were persecuted. So, so they're, they're different. They'll embrace... The, the Christian sort of the churches and the Christians. Um, other cultures, though, and other religi- religious groups are quite hesitant because they've been persecuted for their faith. So they're, they're, quite, um, uh, they're, they're quite hesitant then to um, have that happen again, I guess. And, and so they're, they're a bit standoffish or I'm not, not sure that that's the right word because um but they definitely wouldn't they'll they'll associate with a Christian and and don't mind speaking to them and that sort of thing and being their friend but um as soon as maybe you want to speak about coming to church or um or your faith then you'll find a barrier come up pretty quickly um yeah and the Yazidi people especially are very um, faithful people and, and have a very strong uh, religious point of view themselves. So, you know, they're sort of just like we do as Christians. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know that we any of us take too kindly, do we, to someone coming in and saying we've got it all wrong or got it all, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, so it's it's a bit definitely they'll jump on board and be your friend and and that sort of thing. Um, but as for popping in for a church service, they really wouldn't be up for that. Mm. So you worked for um, helping with. Uh, refugees integration society particularly through their health needs mm. for a while and then you started working for you belong is that correct yeah that's right yeah can you explain you belong and what they do and yeah yep um when i was working with multicultural australia there there was a big gap i saw in the social um needs of the community in both the established community and the refugee community as i mentioned before and finding places to connect and ways to connect um, so I was constantly going, oh, how can we do this better? Um, and I was doing a lot of visiting outside of work at hours just to connect with refugees and, you know, welcome and that sort of thing. Um, and that's really what You Belong are about, um, is uh, making people feel belonging where they are um, and empowering them socially, economically, uh, yeah, that sort of thing. So that fitted really well for quite a few years. Um, yeah, and so it was lots of lots of ways to be able to help a refugee um, integrate socially, mostly. But then, but then that's quite broad, really, isn't it? Because if you can help someone to get a job, um, they actually learn English often quite fast or faster in a job than they might at TAFE um, and then they're going to connect socially better as well if they've got those English skills up. Um, so it's quite diverse what, what, what you can actually do in, a, in an organisation that helps socially. Hmm. Can you think of a, well, two stories, can you think of a, um, a story of a person or family who really did integrate well and through the services that were provided by you belong and others and you know you'd say that was a you know a success for for that person or family and conversely can you think of person or family who where it just hasn't worked very well at all mm. it's just been ongoing struggles and, yeah yeah um yeah i can i can think of a family who've um they really they really wanted to embrace the Australian culture as much as they possibly could, but also they wanted to keep their own culture, um, which is important as well. So, yeah, that they, I think because of their willingness just to, for them to step out and be a bit awkward um, has really helped them to connect with a lot of Australian people and then willingness to just have... It bend a little bit, I guess. Um, there was a lot of music involved with that family. So even just to play music with an Aussie, uh, you know, with the guitar, but then, like, that mashing of, of two very different cultural musics. But he was willing to learn some, you know, Australian music and then the Australian was very willing to learn some Kurdish music and then they'd smash it all together and come out with this quite unique um, song or whatever. So, yeah, I think it was um, 
the families that were willing to actually step out and, and be, like I say, a bit awkward and, and um, take some risk, I guess. And, and since then, you know, they've, they wouldn't hesitate to ask for help when they needed, but they also would do all that they possibly could themselves. You know, they were very eager to learn and, and do what they could. Um, but, yeah, they, they made friends so that they had a good support system around them that wasn't particularly just the refugee community but also the Australian community. Um, yeah, so, that you know, and they've both got jobs now and, and uh, you know, I, I know that her English is still not that wonderful but she was willing to give it a go and um, was... I guess financially that motivates you as well. But, um, yeah, I think definitely just that, that willingness to step out. Um, where it hasn't worked uh, is well, there's been quite a few, well, not quite a few, a handful of people that have actually gone back to the, their country of origin. Um, that clearly didn't work <laughs> for them, did it? But, but also, you know, a lot of them were older, but there have been some young ones who've gone back as well. Um, and I know that for the young one in particular that I know, it was, it was around health that he went back um, and there was a lot of cultural influences there as to... Uh, who could help him the the best and you know they sort of felt that going back to their country of origin they were going to be able to get the help he needed um you know whether we agree with that or not yeah, I think that was there there was a lot of things that came into play there a lot of understanding and knowledge from the Australian system that they maybe didn't have uh, a lot of cultural things where, you know, they they believe in different ways of healing um, and then sort of to mash those together, it, it just wasn't going to go together so well. So, yeah, that, I guess, hasn't worked very well. Uh, and I, I've seen some resentment as well with some families who haven't got the support or found the belonging that they needed in... Uh, there is actually some research out, some Australian research of uh, refugees settling into the country that says that if someone doesn't feel that sense of belonging within the first three to six months of arriving, that they do get resentful. Um, and I've actually seen that then. And 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 it's like it, it nearly becomes a mindset of... Uh, you know, th this country owes me rather than yeah, where they might be willing to uh, contribute as well. So, yeah, there's definitely been some success stories and some non-successful stories. Mm. Now, yeah, you finished up with You Belong mm. Mm. Yeah. a year or so ago? Yes, a year ago. A year ago That's right. Ago. Yeah. And so you haven't gotten out of this kind of work. It's morphed right. again. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I think I just morphed with the community a little bit. Um, when I first started working with refugees, it was they they were f had first arrived, and you know they had a particular kind of needs. Um, and 
we still do have new arrivals coming, but the community as a bulk group have just got different needs at the moment. And um, I really had, a, working with them for however many years, you just develop different, I guess, um, pathways of what you imagine, how you'd like to help and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I saw that employment is a big a big um, consideration in their their sense of fulfillment like in in within their own life and um and their and also into their inclusion so- socially um so I really wanted to do something in that space um so that's why I've morphed to mosaic cues now and the plan is that we're not quite there yet we'd have to get a little bit of revenue <laughs> but um the plan is then to have to be able to help even the the more disadvantaged refugees in getting into some sort of employment uh, and it might just be really basic stuff but um often often all they need is someone that can actually give them a reference so if they can do some some training or work experience at mosaic cues and we can give them some sort of report that they can take to an employer or, you know, an employer is always looking for some sort of experience and experience in Australia for em- employers is is a big thing. Um, they might see that you've had experience in Syria but or Iraq but not necessarily take that um, as a high uh, component in their assessment as to whether they want to employ you or not so yeah that sort of thing and um also for me the the women I guess hold a special place in my heart um they've they've really been uh I don't think they know their worth really in a lot of situations or um their worth is misplaced I I just want to actually open their eyes and show them the pot, some possibilities of, you know, what could be, um, you know, just expose them, I guess, to different, different life paths that they might not be aware of. Um, cause they've, they've mostly known quite a, quite a stringent path in their lives. Mm. So a couple of things I want to unpack about, mm. uh, firstly, Mosaic Hughes, mm. explain the name. Yeah, and so it, it, is this your this is your venture? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my myself and my husband. So um Mosaic always stuck out. I I wanted to in the name I wanted it to be something that brought people together. Um and and yeah, so that in in the end I I stopped on Mosaic because of, you know, you bring a whole heap of things together to make something really, really beautiful. Um, and each each different component or each different person brings something different, you know, so, so you can bring something from your culture and they can bring something from their culture and it can actually, um, you know, merge together to, to come with something good, bring the best from yours, bring the best from mine. Um, so I think it's in in Latin integrate because in, integrate can be a funny word in Australia. Um, but in Latin, I think it was the original meaning is to merge together. 
And it, it just that just sounds nice to me, right? Like it's not it's not you just merging into my culture or them or us merging into them, but bringing them together to merge into one. Um, yeah, and I think we've got we've got a lot to learn from different cultures and and they also from us you know we've all got exceptionally good qualities so yeah that's sort of how the name mosaic came and then I just had to add something to the end right so (laughs) that was my husband he goes what about we went we went through so many things mosaic this mosaic that mosaic community um but in the end Scott came up with mosaic hues so and I thought well that's just sounds nice right so that's how that sort of came together yeah and so you talked about wanting to give female refugees particularly mm. a sense of worth and enabling them to gain employment mm. how are you going about that yeah so uh, mosaic hues has a few different components uh, i wanted it to be sustainable so we have a gift shop uh, and the the income from the revenue from that will support the other programs that we do um, and then I hope to have a hospitality side to that shop at some point with um, a cafe and and then a social space as well where they might come to learn English or be mentored by a business person in town or whatever the that part of the pro- program is, but also a space where, you know, you might just be able to have a conversation with a refugee. Um, so... I would really like to be the women to be having doing work ex, work experience in the shop or in the cafe, um, and I would like them to maybe be doing traineeships even and and even employment as well, depending on you know what their dreams are because part of part of the program of of what I would like to do in the traineeship is to actually unpack some of their goals and find out what it is they really love and what it is that they envisage themselves doing in the future. Um, I think it's quite easy to slot them into particular um, jobs. And I think at first that's really valuable. You know, we we need people in aged care. So a lot of the refugees are actually doing their aged care certificate um, and that sort of thing. Uh, I just, after that, I want to take it one step further and and find out what it is that they really dream about. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, there'll be that. And then in that social space, um, I I just plan on doing activities that help them connect socially, whether that be English class or uh, we already do a program with primary school-aged children with their reading to help... um, the kids with their reading and yeah, whatever else meets the community's needs at the time. Mm. Mm. Very good. I did just see this morning on social media, you posted that um, you have a, a permanent space for um, yeah. your, to do these things. Yes. Right? It's a bit exciting. We um, there's a local business in town called Rose furniture store. They've been here forever and um, yeah, they've offered us this space for the time being Um we, they've been very gener- generous and kind. Um, so we actually do our, the shop is there and then um, up in a, in a little separate building is where we do the social sort of charitable work, I guess you could say. 
Um, so that's a huge blessing. It's going to help get us off the ground. Uh, it's it's permanent in that, uh, I, I guess, well, I should say semi-permanent, I think, because, um, you know, they, they will seek for that someone to take on a permanent lease there at a full commercial rate. But um, at, at, in the meantime, it's us and we could be two years, couldn't it? Or it could be two weeks. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think that's just, I mean, for me personally, I think that's just um, God's timing, God's provision yeah. at the moment and it's exactly what we needed to get up off the ground. Mm. That's good. That's encouraging. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, in this sort of movement of your work over the last um, several years, do you see God's leading and direction as you've taken each step? Mm. Or how would you explain the part that God's played in getting you to this this place? Yeah, um, I think he's definitely provided opportunity for me uh, to explore, you know, my desires, I guess, or what innately motivates me to do this sort of work. Um, he's he's provided at very specific times along the way where community work doesn't necessarily, charitable work doesn't necessarily bring in a great income. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, he's definitely provided along the way at very specific times and sometimes I've had to be quite patient and wait for that um uh, but but in hindsight you go yep that was the perfect timing um lots of times where you know I felt a nudge to do something say something or uh, or be somewhere and followed that and and that was exactly the right place that I needed to be um it's not always easy working in this space. So I've also felt his hand uh, just looking after me a lot as well. Um, you know, even just after a hard meeting in in another city and I type in that I want to go home into my GPS and he takes me, it takes me a different route. And I go, that wasn't just coincidence, right? Like it, that, because that it was beautiful scenery. Now I'm quite, um, I, I get a lot of joy from, from being in, you know, a rainforest area or a bush and that sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, you totally took me on that path that day because that's exactly what I needed to be filled back up and, and to feel him and, um, I guess, and feel his presence. Um, yeah. So I think, I think we, you know, adore my open, but I, I think God gives us that choice to go through it or not. Um, but I think he's definitely just provided me with choices to make and and that sort of thing. And, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Listening to you tell your story, I, I, get, I see a um, like a trajectory or a narrowing or a, a funneling from, you know, when you went from private, working in a private hospital to uh, a place where you saw more the community needs and mm. then the refugee health situation and then the, the refugee more social mm. needs and then to a greater narrowing where it's all oh, these women who have come and I heard you say before, you know, my heart's really gone out to these these women who they, they don't know their worth and what, mm. what they have to bring. Um, do you see that there's sort of been a, not that God's had you funneled because there's always choice, like you said, yeah. but that over the years, yeah, like, 
it's almost like coming to the point of an arrow where you're like, oh, I really want to help these these, these women that my heart yeah. is stirred for. Would that be fair enough? Yeah, I think so. Um, I need a lot of diversity in my life anyway. But, yeah, it, it you, you, I think you can definitely see. I, I wasn't aware of the community stuff and, you know, I think he broadened that and then I got, a, a, I guess, a good... Un- understanding or good knowledge about the broader community and then yeah exactly as you say was able to funnel in on that a little bit um yeah so definitely I've been pushed or guided in that particular way um yeah and even like yeah it's it's definitely the women that get me but also um you know financially working in this area as well um going from that broader charitable sort of stuff where it's like we say not lucrative but just trying to figure out then how to make that sustainable and I think that has you know he's guided me in that area as well so that I can actually do the work um but also be able to pay the bills on time and that sort of thing too so and while that's not quite there yet it'll get there (laughs) yeah Mm. um what, if anything, have you learnt about who Jesus is from working with these refugees and more recently the you know, refugee women in particular? Mm, who Jesus is. Um, yeah, probably I wasn't at all prepared for that question, Sorry, but yeah. no, that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> probably just have to sit on that a moment, but... Um, I think his love for everyone, no matter where you're from, no matter what your journey has been, uh, yeah, like his love and and he loves us all equally. Um, I think my eyes, my eyes have been opened to that a bit more. You know, not being quite so judgmental or um, just trying to understand someone um, and trying to see them from a perspective of of how Jesus would see them. Um, Yeah, so I think I've learned a lot about even how to do that, the way Jesus might do it, um, has been quite significant over the last few years. Yeah, just that, and I think, again, back to that worth um, part that, yeah, he, there's, everyone has worth, don't they? And every, every, he, he, he wants us to know that. Um, Yeah, so if I can reflect that in my everyday life, I think that would be a really good start. Mm. I think it's not always that easy to do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I loved what you said earlier about wanting to help these women, not just to have a life where they, yes, they gain employment, but a, a fulfilling life where they can be all that Jesus wants them to be, which is not just to be typecast into a certain line of employment or just yep. a life of survival, like, yes, we've got to, yes. but to actually flourish and to thrive as, as God wants everybody to flourish and yep. thrive. And I think I hear 
in you, Jesus' heart for people to have life to the full, not just mm. not just a survival, but a full life, a life that's satisfying where they can be who he's created and to be and contribute to the society the yep. that he wants them to be. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, to understand their talents and their gifts and um, and then, yeah, be able to use those. Yeah. Mm. That's, I think that's exactly Jesus' heart. Mm. And, um, and then obviously he... He wants to reveal himself to them as well along mm. the way. Um, how can Christians and how can the church um, help you in your work with Mosaic Hughes? Is there a place for the church to help you? And if so, how? Yeah, uh, I think there's definitely a place. Definitely. Um, it, it's, it's varied. Uh, and broad, I think, of how they can, how a church could be involved. Uh, it could be, you know, I think that the the unique thing about Mosaic Hughes that we offer in the social space is a very unbiased space. Um, so a refugee doesn't have to walk into a church, but also the established Australian doesn't have to walk into the home of a refugee and all of a sudden be thrown into that culture and feel quite uncomfortable. Whereas at Mosaic Hughes, you'll hopefully everyone feels comfortable, right? Like you, you're sort of in that, in the, in the third space, you know, not the first or second. Um, so I think that's quite unique and, and, but it still takes a step by the, by the refugee, by the established Australian to come and connect in that space. Um, so there's there's definitely ways where where you might go. Well, Mosaic Hughes is doing a workshop, and it's and they're making polymer clay earrings or something like that. Well, I've got a neighbour who's a refugee, and I think they'd love to come along to that. And maybe they could shout them to come along to that because in in reality, these classes and these workshops they all cost money. Um, but someone might not they might not have the money or they might have the money and don't see the value in doing something like that, but but the other person might. Um, so I think they could just, yeah, invite someone along to something social that you don't just have to sit there awkwardly and speak, um, but you can actually be doing something together. And with this cultural support, like that cultural uh, intelligence that Mosaic Hughes can provide with in, in even, you know, how can I how can I get my message across in this situation where where um, there's there's that language barrier or that cultural barrier? Um, it is a mosaic use is a social enterprise, so um, we're not not a charity in that sense, but there's definitely you know ways that a church could help financially to especially in the in the early days when we're just trying to get up and up and running um that that they could contribute and there's always uh down and this isn't quite so established yet but down the track um even now though we do have uh, availability for volunteers to come and run particular programs so in that social space that will all be volunt voluntary led um so they can come and volunteer and help in those spaces. Um, we've got space from someone who just wants to come and 
just be there and, and participate in, in as a volunteer or space where you can actually lead an activity and, and be quite creative in, in how you do that. Um, yeah, so they're probably the main spaces. I think um, the obvious one is to be praying for our city, um, praying for um, the refugees in their journey as they do integrate, but also um, in the community as they learn to welcome the refugees um, and, and even a softening of hearts towards refugees. Um, yeah, so definitely a few key places that they could get involved at the moment. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Mm. That's great, Rachel. Thanks for um, sharing so much of your story. Today. Oh, no problem. Your work. Uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share that um, you think would be, you know, is insightful or helpful? For... Oh, I don't. Um, I think you've done a great job pulling it all out of me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think. But it's, it can be, I think I always say it's super scary, it can be super scary um, delving into these situations, whether it's refugees or homelessness or, you know, w women working in the sex industry, whatever it is, it can be awkward and scary and time consuming. But I think the fulfillment that you'll get out of that um, is just beyond words. So it's definitely always worth it.